This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. So let's talk about sleeping at the wheel. There's no automation in running businesses or employee benefit programs in the workplace. They're sleeping at the wheel going on all across the country, and we're going to dive into some of that today. So I'm actually going to start off with a little Navy story about sleeping while standing up. It seemed like a common thing uh, during boot camp. Most people either got smacked around or had to do extra push-ups getting caught. It's just the way boot camp goes. It's just um, how things develop and and the lack of sleep and, and the activity that goes on. And every boot camp is a little bit different. There's obviously jokes that go around about the Air Force being five weeks and they ride bicycles and uh, they have cocktails at the end of the day. And then you got the hardcore Marines that claim they go through hell and back. You know, there's probably a middle ground between all of that. I, uh, the only thing I could voice for the living through is the Navy boot camp and Great Lakes and here in Illinois. And uh, all the other boot camps were closed over the years, so everybody goes to one central locations. Um, if anybody's been driven by in the last 10 years, it's definitely changed drastically. I don't even recognize it anymore when I drive by. At least when I went, I believe it was eight weeks. And then depending on the cycle, uh, I end up staying for 12. And some people, a lot of people will have stayed a little bit longer just based on either holiday routines or some other involvement that ends up extending it. But there's a lot that goes on. There's very little rest. Sometimes we're waking up at 4 a.m. Um, and then they're not going back to sleep until, or they're not in their racks until uh, 10 p.m. Typically with um, taps is throughout the entire world for that matter. I was trying to actually read a little bit this morning. There's this thing called tap toe, which is closing the beer taps, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. And so it, uh, it also means the, the day has ended. So it's just a mental mind shift so that people could be silent throughout the deck so people could sleep. Then there was times where in the middle of boot camp, we would go to sleep at 10 and then somewhere between 11 and 2, some guy uh, or drill sergeant type person would come in and start yelling and telling us to get out, out of our racks. And sometimes it was just to push the racks to the wall so we could do push-ups and some sit-ups. And other times they told us to get our boots on and we ran outside and a lot of them were still in their underwear and their under t-shirt. Um, but I think a lot of that's for discipline and a lot of molding for uh, development and follow instructions the way the military works. And so there's these endless sleepless nights. Sometimes you can't sleep because many different reasons. Some people are homesick. Uh, sometimes you just get so restless you just can't go to sleep. Sometimes as even as adults, we get home late and sometimes we just can't just settle down enough to fall asleep. And the same thing happens during boot camp. Most boot camps, there's a hardcore exercise Battle drills is usually, I think, what the Navy calls it. I think they changed the name a couple times. Uh, the Navy has 24 to 48 hours. I know, obviously, the most common Navy SEAL program. I was not a Navy SEAL. We'll have to do a segment on that. But uh, the Navy SEALs go through BUDS, which is a training program, and they have a hell week. Uh, usually, it's like five days. So does the Marines. So everybody goes through it. And so we go through this period. And I want to say ours was um, 30 hours that we went. And it was nonstop. We had to go from station to station to station, uh, even throughout the night. Some of it was marching. Some of it was running. Some of it 
was holding firearms. Some of it was trying to tie knots and climbing up ladder wells and these fake ships and a whole bunch of stuff that we had to go through. And there's no catching up on sleep other than maybe standing in line at the chow line. Sometimes it would, lines would move slow because there's all these recruits is what they call it, trying to get through the lines. And it even happens out at sea where there's long lines and you'll occasionally look over and somebody's eyes are shut for 10, 20 seconds. Um, but uh, even in boot camp, there's these 18 year olds that just close their eyes and get some shut eye. But, you know, it just, there's a lot that goes on and the same thing with life and, and everything. So there's a lot of things that come out of boot camp and and then obviously I'm a living product of most military veterans that come back out. Well, we go through all that to develop discipline and specific outcomes. There's specific instructions. They teach us to follow orders uh, without question, no matter who we are. And then we go back into the real world where there's a lot of mediocrity. And so the real world makes you soft and uh, makes it easy to provide excuses and uh, moving deadlines or product development or outcomes. And so in it happens in our world too, in the employee benefits world. So there's a lot of owners, CFOs, HRs, and even insurance brokers that are sleeping, standing up, or sleeping at the wheel, and most certainly sleeping at the wheel. Last week, I, I talked a little bit about CFOs stepping up to the line and actually starting to do their job when it comes to employee benefits and scrutinizing the expenses and the profit and loss statement. This time, I'm actually going to harp on some of the brokers. We're mid-year. Right now, it's middle of June, literally. And so right now is the time that even small employers should start considering looking at some things so we're not rushed in the fourth quarter. Uh, There's a lot that could happen between now and then. We have some small groups. When I say small, they're definitely under 50 employees that are considering um, looking at options now. We had one that went through... Uh, a process that we took them through. Uh, we took them through actually our elite benefits formula process, and they came back and they're saving um, like 28% on the um, comparable plans. And so they're going to switch off renewal because why not take the cash savings now? Nothing gets jeopardized on their plans for the employees and nothing for more out-of-pocket or network providers. All that's going to remain all, actually virtually the same. So nothing's going to change. The provider network's exactly the same network and then some of the out-of-pocket and copays might be slightly different, but otherwise it's uh, pretty much the same. And so mid-year review is definitely starting to pick up. Um, so I would encourage you and your staff, or if you're the owner of the company, get, get people moving and start reviewing these now so that you have less stress, you have more time to make decisions, you can look at opportunities. Plus, we have a lot of paperwork to submit to see if you could save that, that money as well. And that could take time because employees are on vacation uh, over the summer months. And so it might take two, three weeks to get everything back in order. So our industry as a whole, so the insurance broker industry teaches employers and CFOs how to shop for their health plans or how to put it together. And there's a lot of loyalty in that. So there's uh, employers that probably will never leave my agency for the life that they're or for their career that they're in or my career for that matter. And I appreciate all that. So they trust the guidance that I provide, and I uh, believe the same is true with many other insurance agencies throughout the entire country. We teach them how to shop the insurance. We teach them how to question things that are going on. Question this, question that. What could be better? What can be worse? How can we change the outcome? 
if there was a boilerplate checklist and there's checklists all over the place, but if we could put together a plan that this is the way to, um, this is the way to move in the right direction. Uh, that's what you should be disciplined and following through on every single year. Even if you can't get there yet, there's a lot of small employers that don't qualify to make some of these moves because they're too small or the risk is too big. There's a number of factors. So that's fine. Keep the checklist tight and, and review it even every three to six months. How, how can we get closer? And keep it on your radar because otherwise you'll be um, sleeping at the wheel as well and it doesn't get you anywhere. The industry teaches you how to go to market and shop these plans. Um, and then brokers are smart enough to intertwine as much as they can. Sometimes they'll bring in their own payroll provider. Sometimes they'll sell other benefits, um, even non-insurance related. They'll um, have a property and casualty or business insurance counterpart. So that way, another agency doesn't come in and take that business and then unravel everything. Essentially, when a ship is headed in the right direction, brokers end up taking a small nap at the wheel and they end up cruising along. Uh, they don't need to pay attention. It's a big ocean out there, right? It's the same thing. There's little changes that occur from year to year. It's what's compounded over a period of time. Insurance premiums have doubled since the Affordable Care Act was signed. They have doubled. And so they were supposed to be more affordable, more efficient, um, access to more care. And none of that was true. And so um, it's the same thing with these renewals for employer plans and their employee benefit programs. It's a big ocean. A lot of things change over a period of time. But when it's small year to year, 12 look, um, 12 month lookout, it's tolerable, right? You take a 12% here, 8% here, maybe an 18% here. And you just keep moving because they're small increments and you figure out other ways to cut in order to get there. And the, at least in the Navy, and I'm not speaking from exp experience, I am not an expert, but there's collisions at sea because um, a lot of reasons. But um, I tend um, to sum it up in two different reasons um, from the information that I read. I Again, I'm not an expert on this, but I'm just trying to correlate a story here to so you could resonate on what's going to happen with your employee benefit programs. It comes into two categories, lack of training and complacence. And so lack of training is big, and I'll get to that in a second, because insurance brokers, just because you have a license, we always joke to get a license to kill because you literally could kill somebody either financially or physically, depending on uh, what the coverage is like. And then complacent is you get stuck sleeping at the wheel, not only you, but your broker. So today, the insurance broker is a huge problem in the industry, but not from a compensation perspective from the insurance company or selling wrong products. We just, I think a lot of them, again, fall in these two categories, lack of training and complacent. And then there's a middle ground where some are trying to learn and get better, and we all are. As much as I know, there's still so much more I don't know, and I have people I could call upon if I need more information or access to resources. Complacent, people get tired and they uh, kind of uh, coast along, especially in the insurance business, it's an annuity. So we get paid every month that somebody pays a premium. We're not out there hunting uh, every single month so we can get paid that single month. The, we have a lot of residuals, so we get complacent. So from the world of Butch Zemar, here are some things to at least be aware of as an employer. And then if you're a broker, listen to the this podcast. If this resonates with you, I would say shame on you. Uh, maybe you are working on it, so I'm not really trying to point a finger at those who are actually trying to get better. And then if any broker out there needs assistance in any of those areas, obviously call our uh, office. We help a lot with um, 
very little skin in the game. We're just trying to make our industry better. And so the first one is um, in our industry, most insurance agents are a little bit aged. Uh, I don't know specifically the average age, but it's somewhere between 59 and 62. With that in mind, retirement's around the corner. And so I find a lot of insurance agents are coasting until they retire. But what does retirement really mean? So I personally look for opportunities to acquire other books of business. So just like another entrepreneur, look for opportunities to buy books of business or other businesses or buildings or rental properties, whatever it might be. It's the same thing here. And what we find out in the benefits world is that a lot of them won't sell their book of business. They would rather write it out until they die or uh, something else comes along, such as a big shop, because one of these big agencies or all the big agencies, they offer an all cash deal and a good multiplier. Uh, if they went to me, they're not going to get all cash uh, in a lot of cases. In some cases, they will. But in other cases, the multiplier may not be as good as someone else will overpay because they have the capital, they have the resources, they could take the hit too. And so a lot of these benefits brokers will go to them and sell off just so they can get a nice payday. There's less liability. And a lot of things we do as an uh, entrepreneur in general is there's liability at risk. And so even when you sell any nature of business, no matter what it is, there's still a liability risk at some point um, prior to the sale. So some of them will offload the company so they don't have the risk anymore so they could retire peacefully and not have to worry about it. Well, in the at least in the benefits world specifically, so if there's commercial insurance agents or auto and home insurance agents listening to this, uh, you guys have a different binding authority that gives you a lot more responsibility than the benefit side. So I'm not summarizing. I'm just saying specifically on the benefit side, there's less liability. It comes down to employees, employers reading their contracts and their policies. That's it. And so if we screw up, a lot of times we could say you should have read your policy. Sure, it's bad ethics or lack of responsibility from the insurance broker, but it doesn't break any laws. So there's less liability. There's no liability in that. And so um, they could write out a book of business and ignore any compliance issues or anything, any changes in the law that employers should know about. Um, they could just ignore it all. And so that goes back to some not actually uh, getting enough training for it because they don't need to. Typically, only a certain percentage of businesses will move over time anyways. So it's easier to stay where you're at regardless. So even if the insurance broker or agency never communicated with you at all, you're still going to stick around in most cases. Uh, I, I'd have to see what the industry standard is. But even if you say 80% of the business will stick, 20% will move and so a lot of agencies will just bank on that, right? And so they're not sitting there either. Um, they have salespeople going out or they're selling themselves to replace that business. As long as they sell more than the 20% lost, um, then they're fine. They're moving ahead um, or breaking even. That's okay. Um, that's just the business model that's there. Most of the, my, my whole point is most business will stick. So you have a lack of incentive to actually do something better. Unlike consulting contracts that a lot of agencies are going to, we get paid to perform, right? And so if we don't do anything or, or we're not responsible for an outcome, then we don't get paid. And so, and a lot of other industries are exactly the same way, whereas the insurance business ends up not being that way. It takes more active uh, effort to be active, but a lot of brokers end up just milking it out because it's easy, right? Um, if you put it off to tomorrow or next week or next year, uh, it's just easy to do that. And and, and I, again, I'm not trying to downplay what we do. I'm just saying that this is a lot of the insurance brokers that are in the marketplace, and that's why I'm calling them out. 
and so it, it's definitely important to me as a professional in the industry that we weed them out at some point. Um, it is unfortunate, but just the way it goes. But there's a market for them, and and they have their place. And it takes a lot of work to move renewal business. So once we sell or place a open enrollment for a company. Uh, and the renewal comes up. Um, now it's almost like new business all over again, but it's the same book of business we're already getting paid on. And so a lot of them focus on new business, especially larger agencies. They actually have two different staff. They have a renewal team and they have a new business team. And um, the new business team is just focused on one area. So the renewal team takes a lot of effort to do open enrollments that are not with the same company. They end up trying to find reasons not to make the move and just do a standard open enrollment. And hopefully it's a passive open enrollment so they don't have to do any employee ads or subtracts or plan changes. They also know that and there's only certain percentages that move uh, of companies move anyway. So even the groups that we work with and we present a renewal, it's well over 50% of the employers that are going to stay and take the increase. And so that's why even our payroll companies out there, they started competing with us because they could capture this business, take it over from the broker, but then they just throw you the renewal and they, don't, they won't do anything. They won't shop it. And if they do, um, it's very minimum consultant. It's very textbook, even though they throw us under the bus and say uh, that we're the ones that do that, but they're just as um, bad as we are. Most recent story I heard, there was a company out of Florida, small employer, and they were, um, the renewal came in. And so they kept having to bug the payroll company to get a copy of it. They knew it was coming. Finally, they threw it at them. It was a like 32% increase. And so they reply back and say, hey, is anybody going to talk to us about this? And they actually got zero replies from that. And so they end up calling our office uh, through um, mutual connections we compared plans and uh, we were going to save them money, uh, but we're actually going to move into a different direction to try to see if we could save even more money on a lot of other products. So that's a different case altogether. But I'm just saying that we did our job by comparing other um, products that the payroll company wasn't willing to do because it's easy not to do anything. Hey, gang, ever wonder what it's like to be a small business owner? It's confusing. Weird expenses coming out of nowhere. And when you throw in health insurance, forget it. Nobody understands how that works. If you own a business, big or small, it's one of the biggest expenses you have all year long. And yet, we all wait until open enrollment at the end of the year, and then we think to ourselves, next year, next year I'll get a jump on it. And then it's another year of paying way too much. If you're a business owner, big or small, HR representative that wants to impress the boss, give Butch Zemar of Elite Benefits of America a call. Save yourself or your boss thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars a year. Reach out to Butch right now, 708-535-3006, or shoot him an email, butch at elitebenefits.net. And be sure to check out the Zmar podcast. Don't wait till the last minute. Put Butch Zmar to work for you now. The other thing is most insurance agents and agencies work with most of the main state carriers. So the big branded carriers throughout the country, they are not the only one. In fact, they're the, they're the minority in meaning that they're only a small group of carriers. So there's five or six carriers that are the big branded carriers. They probably capture 80% of the market because of the names. But my point is that there's, um, there's probably 90% of other companies out there that uh, take up the the rest of the market, and uh, they do a great job. They just don't put billboards or um, put their big logo in the 
uh, big sports arena that you go visit and have fun with your friends. And so easy to work with them because a lot of the insurance brokers, at least benefit agents, and there are some property casualty insurance agents that work with benefits. But a lot of times us smaller guys, when I say smaller, we're not national agencies. Uh, we could be bigger regional and we still don't get the support from the insurance company. So we have to go through wholesalers. So even big names like, you know, they got the Blue Cross franchise throughout the entire country. In most states, we have to work through a wholesaler unless we're a national carrier uh, or a national uh, agency. And so we go through wholesalers. The wholesalers help us with these cases. We're not paying for them. They get overrides from the insurance company. So a lot of times these insurance agents and agencies, they get lazy. And even if they do a renewal, it's going to go to another main state carrier because they get support and they don't have to pay for it. All they have to do is follow up. So they're the quarterback of things. They're not actually implementing any things. And I'm not downgrading that. I'm just saying it makes it easier to do a lot of things when instead of looking outside the box. And then we have to do a lot more in-house. It's just something to consider, and I would ask questions on it. The other thing is going back to the two reasons why I see uh, collisions occur um, from the world of Butch Zimar, that is, is lack of training. So a lot of insurance brokers just don't know. They come up in this, they make easy money, they're selling policies, people are liking them, they return their phone calls, uh, respond to emails, a whole bunch of stuff that makes it work, uh, just like any other business out there. But they just don't take the time or claim they don't have the time. They actually go out there and try to figure out what they don't know. And what they don't know could hurt them in the long run, but it does, there's no immediate impact uh, by not knowing. And so therefore, we, we, they could ride on doing what they're doing without actually having to be resourceful. And so like I was saying earlier in the beginning of this podcast, there are certain markets that I don't have um, as many experience or as much experience with or have as much resources, but I have the people to go to. And so in some cases, I may be the quarterback in that case, but it's not me. I have people in my back office. The same thing you do as an employer when you hire attorneys or CPAs. You're not the expert, but you're getting the advice. And it's the same thing. And a lot of brokers out there are not being resourceful. So it becomes an issue when employers don't know how to ask the questions, don't know how to challenge the broker, don't know what which direction to go. They only go with what the broker is telling them. And there's a lot of loyalty in that. And I appreciate that. There's clients of mine that will never leave. And I appreciate that. But sometimes you just have to start asking questions and start looking for things that may not have been there before. There's a, a book that um, I'm about to roll out. I'm not going to disclose too much that talks about a little bit more about some of the questions that you should be asking your broker, some of the topics that should be discussed internally and with your broker. If you're interested in hearing more about that, go ahead and send me a message. Just go to my website, elitebenefits.net, and send me a correspondence in the message just saying refer to podcast and uh, you're looking for more information about questions that should be asked. And then uh, you'll be one of the first ones to get a copy of it as soon as we're done with it um, and get it published. Anyhow, it, it, there's a lot of loyalty, but you need to start asking and challenge some of these. You need to shake up your broker. You got to wake them up. They're sleeping at the wheel. And so you're going to demand more out of them, ask for products and more data uh, that you may not have asked before. It helps you make better decisions. You do it with any other line on it. If you're buying a new manufacturing equipment, you're trying to open up in a new market, there's data that's needed in order to make good decisions. You can't just blindly go into it. Health insurance has taught us that that seems to be acceptable. 
and then go from there and learn more and see how you can implement these programs to have better outcomes, including programs that give employees incentives to have better outcomes, which lower the cost. So hopefully you're not sleeping at the wheel, your broker's not sleeping at the wheel. And uh, if you need any assistance on this, obviously contact our office. One last note for those who are listening to this podcast, I need to refer you over to the EP podcast because I'm raffling off golf outing uh, tickets to golf with me but you'll have to go to the ep podcast you have to be a local to chicago south side of chicago uh, but go to the ep podcast and check it out come out and golf with some business owners and like executives and i'll be joining along with the fun and uh, we'll share more stories thanks a lot